0: following is a repeat show that was previously broadcast on Unity FM. Assalamu alaikum. Welcome back to Parenting Hour. You're tuned to Unity FM 93.5 and 101.5 if you're tuned in down south. Welcome to everybody that's tuned in this evening. Alhamdulillah, we're here in the middle of January, um one of the the longest and coldest days of the the year of the winter, but uh, alhamdulillah we don't have snow, so Thank God for, for small mercies like that, that we are all safe and sound, hopefully in our own homes, listening into this, or if you're tuned in driving home in your car, that you are driving home safe and sound as well. We have a couple of topics on this evening. So the, we have been talking about the coronavirus vaccination on the day that has the largest number of deaths so far that have people have passed away from the coronavirus. And we know it has affected a lot of you, a lot of your families, and may Allah improve the health of anybody that's ill at the moment, inshallah, I mean, um, and all your loved ones, inshallah, Allah give them full health, inshallah. So we've spoken to a doctor, a Dr. Zafar, about that, and we had a lovely conversation with Brother Nasser, again, uh, as, as a patient getting the vaccine. We're going to go to a little bit of a different topic now, but we are inviting you to please phone in either about the ovarian cancer that we're going to speak about in a few minutes or about the coronavirus vaccine and give us your opinion. We want to hear from you. This is your show as you know we are here for you we're bringing this show each week to the community, from the community or from the community to the community, whichever way you'd like to say it but this is what we do week in week out on Parenting Hour. Uh, SubhanAllah I've been doing this now maybe seven years I think the studio will have to remind me how long and you are really great at getting involved in shows so please do pick up the phone and and bring in our next guest that we're going to have on is from Overcome and Overcome is an organization that's been working since 1996 about raising awareness of ovarian cancer And the CEO, Victoria, is going to come on and tell us a little bit about what do they do, how do they raise awareness, and the importance of uh, raising awareness. Because I don't know if you know, listeners, but it is known that ovarian cancer is a silent killer. And it is shocking how many people die from this each year. So we are here this evening to try and raise awareness about that and ask them what do they do, how do they do it what are the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer that people should be looking out for and and try and help you to pass on those messages to others to your loved ones to your sisters to your aunties to your mothers to your daughters to your wives so that we can pass that message out to everybody inshallah i'm just wondering victoria are you on the line
1: i am hi kathleen
0: hello victoria lovely talking to you this evening thank you for coming on the show my pleasure. Thank you for having me. I, I just uh, love your organisation. I did look at your website and um, the idea of raising awareness of ovarian cancer. It's something that's a pet topic to me, myself, uh, to do this. But I don't know much about your organisation and, and probably our listeners don't know either uh, that much about your organisation. So it would be great if we could just start with that.
1: Yes, yeah, sure. You tell us
0: a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So, Overcome was founded in 1996 by Sarah Dickinson, and Sarah herself had been diagnosed with ovarian cancer, and she found that the information that was available was very patchy, and that a lot of it wasn't really very understandable, and so she set up Overcome then in 1996 with some of her friends, basically around a kitchen table. Sadly, Sarah died a year later, but the organization has gone on to provide support, we provide support to around 18,000 people every year, and we provide information that is understandable, up-to-date, and factually accurate. So that's the main role that we have, and whilst we are a national um, charity, and we mainly focus on support, we also have a hub in the West Midlands. So the West Midlands is the first of our regional hubs. So we've been doing a lot of work, particularly in, in, uh, in the West Midlands.
0: Wonderful. That, that sounds really, really good. But I, I need to ask you, why the West Midlands as a hub? Is there a higher need or a higher, higher instance of, of ovarian cancer in the West Midlands?
1: So, ah, oh, good question. Thank you, Kathleen. So basically, we are a bit strange in as much as we're a membership charity. Mm -hmm. so what we do is people can anybody can access our services for free but people can also sign up as a member and if people sign up as members it's free too then they can input into our services and they can tell us this is what you need to be doing this is you know this is what we'd like to see from you and because we're a membership charity that's how we then run our services is we respond to particular needs and a few years ago Um, I was being asked to go up to Birmingham a lot and visit some of our members, and they said, look, there's a very particular need here in the West Midlands. So there's some really underrepresented communities, so people who don't have English as a first language, um, so some people who um, are rurally isolated, of course, some people who may be on a low income and some people who uh, are kind of really struggling to access kind of mainstream services. And so I went up, we met with them, and our members told us, we want a special service here in the West Midlands. that is focused on reaching our communities and supporting our communities in a really targeted way. And so that exactly is what we've done. So we've been working now in the West Midlands, particularly for a couple of years. Um, We've got a lot of really good links to some fantastic organizations. And um, earlier this year, uh, not earlier this year, at the end of last year in 2020, with the help of some wonderful organizations like Sampad and Near Neighbours, we actually launched a set of videos to raise awareness of ovarian cancer in different languages. So all of our different language resources, the information was filmed and put together in the West Midlands with people who are hopefully listening to this radio station <laughs> um so we provide mm-hmm. information in arabic bengali gujarati urdu punjabi and also polish
0: wonderful i i'm so impressed indeed uh, i love sampad actually they've done a lot of uh, other raising awareness uh and they did something last year on perinatal mental health, which was wonderful. We worked with them, and we hopefully I'll get to know you more, and we'll bring you back for uh, more workshops. Indeed, so listeners that are tuned in, if they keep listening in, they will hear about this. We'll have a chat about it later on. We haven't spoke about this yet either, but uh, there's an, it, it's important, as you said, to raise awareness of what you're doing to the communities in all those different languages, because. Uh, some we just often miss out on some communities because they don't speak that language but that that is that's a great way forward I, i'm delighted you're doing that
1: thank you well we also have what we've done as well is we've launched um community language phone lines as well so there's designated phone phone numbers for each of those languages so pe- people can phone up and leave a message and then we will contact them back with an interpreter so that they can access Anybody who speaks those languages or has those languages as their preferred or first language can contact us and any of the support that we give, any of the information materials, anything that we do, even if it's just a phone call just to talk to us because somebody's feeling isolated or they don't, you know, they have been diagnosed with ovarian cancer or they're unaware of the symptoms or they're nervous or worried or they need support, they feel they have ovarian cancer and they want to talk more about how to go about getting a diagnosis. You know they can contact us and we can talk them through that in their own preferred language so wonderful that that
0: is what is needed indeed now probably our listeners need to pass on the message to to their friends and family about ovarian cancer so that they then can get those callers in yeah what kind of signs and symptoms um would people have of ovarian cancer how could people know that they, had, uh, they potentially could be suffering from something like this?
1: Yeah, okay. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about ovarian cancer. Um, a lot of people don't even perhaps know where their ovaries are or, or you know, that you can have ovar- you know, cancer of the ovaries. But it's a really unpleasant, nasty disease. And in 68% of people, women diagnosed in this country now, are diagnosed at stage three or four. So that's when the cancer's already spread quite significantly into other parts of their bodies. What we're trying to do is we're trying to get more people diagnosed at an earlier stage by teaching people in the communities signs and symptoms. So the key signs and symptoms are, we remember them using our BEAT acronym, so B-E-A-T. So B is for bloating that doesn't come and go. So persistent bloating over a week or a number of weeks. You know how sometimes you can have bloating when you eat a certain food or as the day progresses, but then it goes away. That's Mm -hmm. not what we mean by bloating. We mean persistent bloating that stays. Mm -hmm. Um, E is for eating difficulties or for feeling fuller quicker. So, you know, if you're eating the same amount as you previously would, but you feel very full, that might be a symptom. A is for abdominal or pelvic pain that you feel most days. So it's perfectly normal for women to have times of the month when they may experience pelvic or abdominal pain. But actually, if it's persistent and you feel it most days, then, then that you know we would want to flag that up. And T, so B-E-A-T, T is for toilet changes. So if you notice anything different about how you're going to the toilet, frequency or anything like that, then that's also potentially another symptom. And so there's quite a lot of symptoms, but the key thing to know about ovarian cancer is that there is no screening test. Many, many, many women believe that ovarian cancer can be diagnosed with a cervical smear and it cannot be diagnosed with a smear test. It's a different set of tests. There's currently no screening tool at all for ovarian cancer. And our concern at the moment is that we've seen such a drop in women going to their GPs and presenting with symptoms since the COVID-19 pandemic started. So they're holding off going to the doctor. They're holding off kind of, you know, worrying another health professional about it. And what we're saying is, you know, go to the doctor, go to your GP or call us. You know, we'll help you talk it through. You know, we'll will help you understand the signs and symptoms better relating to you you know that's what we are here to do so if you're in any doubt ask the questions that's
0: so important isn't it because i, I think since covid it's not just your organization um, but many other organizations many other people have found similar things I, I know we keep working and talking hard about to our pregnant ladies about fetal movement because uh, if there's reduced fetal movement, they haven't been going to the hospital. We say, no, you need to go. Don't be afraid. This yeah. is a, a life, your potential life-threatening or life-saving act by going to the hospital or speaking to somebody, speaking to triage, speaking to the hospital, speaking to one one one, or or about this situation. So it's the same like this again. I I was thinking of um, the, the, the cancer, you know, ovarian cancer. We're talking about ovarian cancer, I'm wondering. Is there different types of ovarian cancer? Is there a different way that people might um, uh, portray this cancer to others than other people?
1: Yeah. So there are many different types of the disease. Mm-hmm. Um, there, you know, there are different types of ovarian cancer that affect women at different points. In, you know, so the disease might present differently according to the different types of disease. It's a really, you know, this is one of the problems with ovarian cancer. It's a really complex area. We also know that around um, 25% of people will be affected by BRCA as well. So either um, hereditary genetic cancer, uh, that makes up about 15 to 18% of the ovarian cancer kind of population. So, So some People who have a a history of some cancers in their family will, so for example, breast cancer, uh, may have the 40-brachygene and then in turn, they may be at higher or greater risk of developing ovarian cancer. But there's a lot of this messaging, because it's so complex, because it's so, you know, there are so many nuances and and difficulties, because there's no screening test, because very often it's misdiagnosed, you know. Mm -hmm we always come back to our very basic messaging. You know what? You women, you know your bodies, yeah? So you know if something is wrong. And if you think something is wrong, get in touch. Don't leave it. Don't leave it two weeks and see how it's going to go. Don't leave it a month and then book an appointment with your GP in six weeks' time. You know, if you think something's wrong, if you notice a change, get in touch. You know, it's better. We, we have so many women who contact us diagnosed at stage 4 and say i wish i'd paid attention to the symptoms earlier so what we're saying to to your communities but to all of our communities and across the west midlands is you know don't leave it
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know better safe than sorry better mm-hmm. to have the conversation better to seek the opinion of a medical professional mm-hmm.
0: Yes, and, and you have contact with medical professionals locally or or um, systems locally that you can refer
1: yes. people to? Yes, yes, we do. I mean, actually, interestingly, we've been funding um, research at the University of Birmingham for years and years and years. <laughs> um, but we have, you know, really good contacts. You know, you've got some fantastic clinicians in the West Midlands, wonderful, wonderful, committed, you know, really skilled clinicians in in, in ovarian cancer and gyne cancer. Um, They are a joy to work with, you know, and um, we have, and some of them sit on our medical advisory board panel, our expert panel as well. You know, so we have good links, you know, do get in touch, do raise concerns, you know you know, do tell us what you're thinking, do tell us if you're worried, if you think you have symptoms, do tell us, you know, if if you have any concerns, or go to your GP and, and relay the, those concerns to them and, you know, and pass on the messaging about the BEAT campaign to your friends and family members as well.
0: That, that is so important. Uh, I suppose sometimes why people are reluctant is because they hear stories, or maybe they have a uh, have had uh, some experience of the treatment of different cancers
1: mm-hmm. and
0: I suppose that probably impacts even if they've had some of these early warning signs that you mentioned to lovely beat and um, that they think or they just put it to the to the side and think oh uh, this treatment I, I can't go through this treatment like they're jumping to the final you know to the treatment stage without even having a diagnosis yeah. <laughs> have have you come across that where where people kind of emotionally block out yeah. the diagnosis stage because they're so afraid of the treatment stage and what might happen to them
1: we really have we really have and all, you know so the majority of ovarian cancer cases are going to be diagnosed in women between the ages of 50 and 79 but but it can be diagnosed in anyone at any age okay mm-hmm. And one of the things that we know about the demographic that is, you know, that has ovarian cancer diagnosed is that two things. First of all, they won't want to trouble somebody. So they, you know, they'll, they'll look after their family or they'll look after their other communities, but they won't prioritize themselves. And then the second thing is that we know that very often you know, exactly as you've said, that they'll say, you know, I was worried about the signs and symptoms and I didn't want to, you know, I just didn't want to deal with this. I just avoided it emotionally. I couldn't cope with it. But let us reassure you that actually with ovarian cancer, if you're diagnosed at stage one or two, it's much easier to treat than if you're diagnosed at stage four. You know, you have other treatment options. The impact on your life is likely to be less at that stage. Mm -hmm.
0: So, we, so, sorry, just talking about treatment options there, uh, some people may not want to go down the traditional route, I'm sure, you know, or hospital route, they might want to try alternative medicines first. You as an organization can talk through them and help them and support them in,
1: in talking through these different, different routes? Yeah, so we can, you know, we can give them information, we can signpost them towards information. Um, it depends you know, on the individual, it depends on the treatment, but what I will say is that historically ovarian cancer has been known as a silent killer, and it's been known as a silent killer for very good reasons, and that is because historically there were very few treatment options, and the treatment options that there were, were very hardcore, you know, it was extensive surgery, it was years of, tre- you know, several years of, or, or chemotherapy, you know, a lot of chemotherapy, and there were really no other options, there were no other choices, Now, we have a whole new set of drugs that can be used on women with ovarian cancer. And those drugs, you know, have been available now for two years or so, two, three years. They've been becoming increasingly more and more available. And they're called PARP inhibitors. And for many women, not all, but for many women, they will slow the progress of the disease. They do you know people women may still need to have surgery they may still need to have chemotherapy but ultimately you know this whole new range of other treatments that many women find very tolerable very you know good to good you know you know they can take them at home you know it keeps the disease at bay they can still live a, a good life you know good quality life and it gives a lot of women a lot of extra time so we're saying you know yes try and be diagnosed early. But also, despite the fact that a lot of people still refer to the disease as a silent killer, there are so many treatment options now that are available. And there are more and more and more treatment options becoming available every few months. So there is hope of different treatments with this disease. So that historic perspective, you know, where You know, quite rightly, very many women were very, very scared of the disease. You know, there are other choices now. There are other options. There's a lot to be considered. You know, there's a lot that can really help offset the side effects of this disease. And every few months, the clinicians and the researchers are learning more and more and more. So, you know, with that in mind, I don't want to give an overly positive message because obviously, Cancer is never a positive diagnosis. It's always, you know, it's very often desert, you know, devastating um, for people. But actually, there are treatments. There are things that can be done. The sooner people are diagnosed, the better. And it's not hopeless.
0: Which is, is a very positive message to get out, get out to our listeners this evening. Unfortunately, we've had nobody calling in as yet. But <laughs> there is fine. still some time to call in. We're in the last five minutes of the show, so... Uh, listeners do run to the phone if you'd like to talk to victoria you can see how expert she is and how passionate she is about saving lives and early diagnosis and uh, treatment options that you that are available to all of you in different languages wow you've you've really done a lot of work to to reach our communities and to get the messages out there if if people say they're driving or they're trying to multitask now it's usually trying to occupy the children and trying to um finish off some emails probably as they're closing their working day or or, uh, doing some homework at the same time with the kids but they said okay tonight I'll have a a look at this I'll open something open a website or I'll I'll find out some more information what is your website details and where can they find out where's the best part of the website to go to to find out information
1: so, yeah, thank you. Thank you, Kathleen, for asking that. I often forget to give that information, <laughs> so, which is the most important thing, right? So the way you spell overcome is O-V-A-C-O-M-E. So O-V-A-C-O-M-E. And if you go to our website, you'll find a page or you can Google it called Reach Over and Raise Awareness. So Reach Over and Raise Awareness. And that will take you direct to a special page that we have set up. And that page has some basic information about the signs and symptoms of ovarian cancer. But it also has all of the phone lines, the designated phone lines, you know, the Arabic, Bengali, Gujarati, Polish, Punjabi, and Urdu phone lines, those special numbers. And it also has downloadable leaflets, and it also has the links to all of our videos. So you can watch a video in your own language. Um, And if in doubt... Then we have our English language support line number. Uh, Be open at 10 a.m. tomorrow, and that is 0800-008-7054. But basically, you know, overcome, O-V-A-C-O-M-E. That's where you'll find us. That's where the resources are. You know we're a friendly bunch. We're happy to chat. So just get in touch, and, and we'll make sure that we signpost you to where you need to be and that we send you, you know, the information that you need
0: that's wonderful and I, I hope they will and i appreciate you coming on to the show and actually i will contact you more we we're we'll trying to do something with you from portion parenting as well to get that message out there to to other listeners because eh? it's one of my pet topics as well uh any cancers but especially ovarian cancer to get that message across
1: that's wonderful I, we
0: were talking in the sorry sorry uh, victoria
1: I was just going to say thank you and um, that's really wonderful and very kind of you and thank you for flagging up all of the the work that we've been doing, particularly in the West Midlands.
0: Thank you. Um, we were talking in the first part of the show about uh, vaccinations. So I'm going to put you on the spot here, yeah. Victoria, and uh, and ask you, you know, that we're talking about the virus, coronavirus vaccinations and uh, raising awareness of the vaccinations and getting that out there. Uh, what is your opinion of vaccinations?
1: For those with ovarian cancer or just generally vaccines. For,
0: for, for the coronavirus. So if we go back to the coronavirus, we are talking the first so half.
1: Just half coronavirus COVID. vaccinations. My personal opinion is that, you know, uh, and it is my personal opinion. It's not the organizational opinion. But I, I, you know, because nobody really asks us about the COVID vaccine other than with relation to ovarian cancer. But um, my opinion is that actually it's really important that people get themselves vaccinated. If you're offered the vaccination, go and have it.
0: Wonderful. And um, have you or anybody you know been
1: offered that? Yeah. In fact, both my mum and my dad have underlying health conditions and they're over 80. They've both had the vaccination. Both of them are well. Both of them are very relieved that they've had their first vaccination and they're going to be waiting for their second vaccination so that they're, you know, kind of more immune. And um and they've had no adverse effects and they are very grateful to have been offered it. Um, you know, so yeah, personally in my family I've seen that. Thank
0: you. Thank you for that. And I hope listeners, you're you're hearing all these messages from different people this evening about the vaccination and the importance of going and getting that vaccination if you're offered it and to help save lives and get the message out there. Um, We will have other guests with different times talking about that, uh, about the vaccination in the weeks to come. Uh, Thank you, Victoria, for being on this evening on the show. It was great having you with us. Next week, listeners, we're going to hope to talk about asylum seekers.